morning or afternoon, I guess, depending on what time of the day you're listening. I'm Rick Woodham from Taggett, and thank you for listening to another installment of our Digital Game Changer series. For those of you, this is your first time to join us, welcome. And for those of you, this is not your first time, well, welcome back. You know, I, I just continue to be amazed at how quickly things are moving in the digital space. And, you know, every conversation I, I have with the bank every week tends to turn up some new uh, challenge that the banks are facing from a digital perspective. And, you know, while the initial push by many banks was in the retail segment, uh, even the business customers now are, are becoming quite, uh, I'll use the word demanding for a lack of a better word, uh, for digital capabilities for them to help uh, enable them run their businesses a bit better. So my, my hope is that as we interview guests like our guests today, is that from each of these sessions, you walk away with just one or two nuggets that may help you in your particular digital journey. So at Taggett, working with banks and helping them to find digital strategies is pretty much what we do day in and day out. In today's session, we are joined by Mr. Shadab Tiyabi, who's president of the Singapore Fintech Association. Shadab leads the SFA Executive Committee, which sets the strategic direction for SFA's activities related to advocacy, fostering business growth, facilitating access to capital and opportunities, as well as growing the fintech talent pool itself. Welcome, Shadab, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rick, for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's great to meet you. And uh, why don't we get started with 20 questions, shall we? Yeah, let's start with the first one. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the latest initiatives from uh, the Singapore Fintech Association and uh, kind of how you guys are facilitating the growth of digital ecosystems across Singapore and Asia? Uh, well, uh, th thanks for the question, Rick. Uh, let me just uh, put a bit of a background about the association itself for some of the view uh, viewers and listeners who are uh, who have come across SFA's name for the first time. Uh, the association, we are the National Industry Association uh, representing the whole fintech ecosystem in Singapore. Uh, just to give some numbers to, uh, to to provide the context, there are close to 1,400 companies, fintech companies in Singapore, and the ecosystem has grown many folds in the many uh, fast six, seven years. Uh, we started on this journey a bit more officially in 2015, 2016, when there were close to uh, only 100 plus companies uh, in the fintech space. And uh, you know now that we have grown to fourteen hundred, the number of employees that are represented in these companies has also grown as well. And uh, there are about ten thousand plus employees that are working in the Singapore fintech ecosystem. Now, if you that, that's that's a that's a big number, and just just to, yes, and just to add a bit of a context to that, there are multiple segments that are being represented in the ecosystem. Uh, payments and remittances being one of the bigger ones. We have Investec, uh, wealth tech. Uh, lending, uh, we have uh, remittances, and of course, you know the uh, red tech segment as well. There are many, many uh, segments that are being represented. And if I were to go by the numbers, there are easily twenty-four to twenty-five segments that are being represented. Now, just to tie it into the to the work that the SFA does. Um, as an association, we we are run uh, by a secretariat team, a team of uh, fifteen or almost fifteen people, full time staff who run the many initiatives. And uh, I represent the executive committee, which is the uh, so-called the board of the directors for the uh, for the uh, SFA. And we are elected for a term of two years. All of us have full-time jobs as well. Uh, for example, I work for for an asset management firm, a global asset management firm. And uh, the other exco members come in from various backgrounds as well. Uh, a couple of them are founders uh, or head their businesses. Uh, we have a lawyer. We have two lawyers actually. 
on, on the executive committee as well. The uh, many initiatives that we run uh, can be bucketed into six different pillars, if I may, um, and some of yeah. them you actually mentioned in the introduction as well. The most important one being, which I'm quite passionate about, is the advocacy, which is basically being the voice of the Singapore FinTech. And there are many, many initiatives that we run under them, um, including the formation of the subcommittees, uh, certain initiatives where we run regulatory roundtables with the uh, various policymakers, including regulators as well. Uh, we have our own FinTech certification uh, system as well. And then, you know, the second pillar would be the business growth area where we organize many events in terms of business matching, business networking, the ability for our FinTech companies to interact with the uh, financial institutions as well. Just to give you some context, there are uh, 70 plus percent of B2B companies in Singapore, just because of the size of the domestic market here, more B2B companies than B2C companies. And uh, of course, B2B companies, uh, a key element is to try and network as much as possible to expand their business. And then of course, there is the capital efficiency and uh, element as well. So there are multiple initiatives that we run into, uh, into all these pillars. Uh, growth of fintech talent pool is another very important pillar that we run as well. And we have actually formed a, uh, a, 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 a group called the Singapore FinTech Club, which we launched last year, which has already gathered more than 1,700 members as of now, uh, since June last year. Uh, this group is basically uh, there to create that uh, vibrance in the community and for people and professionals, individuals and professionals to come together uh, for, for networking, for possible you know, job opportunities, and also for founders to actually look for investment opportunities as well. So there are multiple initiatives that we run, uh, like I said, starting from advocacy to business growth, to capital efficiency, growth of uh, uh, talent pool, as well as bringing more operational efficiency in the work mm -hmm. of our fintech companies. So I have to tell you the number 1400 does catch me a bit by surprise. Uh, I, if you had asked me the number of fintechs in Singapore, based in Singapore, I would have probably told you two or 300 tops. So that's very impressive actually. I can understand why you guys are needed uh, around the Singapore area. So, so should I sort of looking at, um, you know, globally, I mean, th there are other fintech associations that work globally as well. Does any, any one particular come to mind that you think does a really good job in their uh, geography, kind of like SFA does in Singapore? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I would say uh, there are a few that, that come to my mind because we are quite, uh, we are good partners with them. So for example, the FTAHK um, in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. they they have got a mature ecosystem of fintech companies as well as, you know, with professionals, investors, uh, the entrepreneurial community, as well as the regulators coming together to form that vibrant ecosystem. Uh, we work very closely with our ASEAN fintech associations, such as uh, the uh, Fintech Association of Malaysia, FAO, FAOM, Indonesia, Thailand, Philippines, mm -hmm. uh, as, as, as well as, uh, to a certain extent, uh, um, some of the Middle Eastern uh, Fintech associations as well. So there is a, there is a good, uh, I would say, uh, concentration of Fintech ecosystems happening in ASEAN, as well as broader APAC. And we work with uh, most of them actually in collaboration in initiatives together. For example, we launched the ASEAN uh, or Asian uh, FinTech Roundtable last year at the Singapore FinTech Festival, which is you know, by far the largest FinTech festival globally. Uh, we launched that in a hybrid format last year. Hopefully this year we will continue to have a lot more engagement coming in, with the FinTech, uh, coming in from the FinTech associations in the region more uh, again. And we will hopefully launch uh, 
uh, more initiatives uh, beyond the the networking capabilities uh, the idea is for our for the, the idea is for us to uh, work together so that it's easier for our members who are looking at expanding into the other regions uh, much more efficient as well as <clears throat> harp on some of the common uh, resources that the uh, members in the uh, other fintech associations can use uh, or for example for singapore i mean one of the key uh, i would say benefits that singapore as an ecosystem provides is that ability to connect uh, you know asean with china for example or asean with india as an example we are the bridge that that brings the commonalities of these uh, various countries together in terms of building that close economy so um, definitely a lot of work that is already being done with different tech associations but we can definitely do more so so it, it occurs to me that maybe a little bit of a level set might be in order right um so, so you've mentioned the term ecosystem uh, several times already uh how do you define or describe the ecosystem huh? when you use that term for our listeners uh just just to kind of be sure we're aligned what what does that actually mean and how do you describe or define that a bit i think a, a very simple definition would be uh you know putting it in the context of the membership of sfa itself so as an association we have close to 860 870 members at the moment these are companies but we are the singapore fintech association however uh 60 to 70 70% of these mem- uh, of these members are basically fintech companies the rest mm-hmm. are associate members uh, who are essentially they can be consulting firms they can be financial institutions uh, like you know the asset management company that i work for they can be law firms and they can be any other service provider who is trying to work with the fintech companies so when you when when we talk about ecosystem it's about uh, a, a a a whole set of companies coming together whose business models are aligned to service each other but at the same time the core growth that comes out of it is is the is in the growth of these fintech uh, companies uh, so for example a b2b fintech company in the let's say in the digital in- investments or uh, sorry the digital wealth management space they would be servicing uh, a financial institution like a bank or an insurance company or an uh, independent financial advisor as well but at the core they would need support from a law firm which actually specializes uh, in 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 a in in the uh, acts which are relevant to the fintech fintech company as well uh, it may a, a more clear example would be uh, a company which is applying for a payment services license they would need to be advised by a lawyer which is who is adept and expert in the fintech uh, in the laws pertaining so the ecosystem is basically all the companies to coming together to grow the the, the fintech uh, overall ecosystem you know mm-hmm. the the business areas all right so 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 one of the things i know you guys are, are are facilitating is how do i get the you know especially some of the younger fintechs and some of the newer technologies you know getting them mapped with capital and what does it mean to really go from a fintech lab into production so that if i take a look back over the last say 18 24 months right i mean you can just pick a window uh you know banks particularly uh have been accelerating their digital initiatives through the use of some of these fintech labs so i'm just a little bit curious based on what you have seen uh around the market what does it take for a bank to successfully move out of that sort of prototyping mode into something that really is meaningful for for their business or to the public or uh you know in into the marketing arena where they want to do business 
So uh, in the end, it, it, it's about creating meaningful solutions for the end customers, right? Because whether it's a bank producing a fintech solution or a fintech company building these direct-to-customer solutions as well, it, in the end, what matters the most is whether you are bringing in a, 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 a solution or, or you're solving a problem which exists uh, at cost efficiency and at this at, at and, and not at the uh, mercy of you know having any trust issues. So uh, what happens in these scenarios is, I mean, I, I can probably touch base on the digital wealth scenario as an example. Um, there are B2C robos such as, you know, Indawas, uh, Stashaway, Saif. These are some of the uh, big names in Singapore who have already been providing these robot advisory solutions. They are licensed entities. They have come up, uh, you know, with business models that allow their customers to grow there and invest their money. Uh, in, at the same time, there are certain banks, for example, DBS has come up with a digital portfolio solution itself, which is also a robo-advisory solution, which is uh, tapping onto the existing customer base of DBS. Now, there, are, there, there could be competition in, in, amongst, amongst them, but there could be in individual, I would say, uh, you know, value pro propositions that they're bringing onto the table, which is differentiating them with, in, with you know, compared to the competitor. So right. all of them are playing into different strengths and weaknesses uh, of the value proposition, or sorry, or, or the segment that they are trying to service with the solutions that they are trying to offer, uh, but yet trying to nibble in different uh, places. So uh, th that's why you know some of the solutions are successful in let's say a retail segment of the customer base, while some are more geared towards the accredited investors base. Now coming back to 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 the growth of these kind of solutions or the or the adoption of these solutions. Um, the Singapore fintech ecosystem is a clear example of how the uh, growth has happened in these in these fintech companies uh, much more rapidly than anybody would have imagined. Just to yeah. put some numbers in the context as well, uh, when Singapore officially started on the fintech journey, the uh, equity funding was close to twenty million dollars back in twenty fifteen. As of last year, uh, if you look at the trans the the transaction size for MA VC deals happening in the fintech space, it has already touched about US dollar $4 billion. And this is based on KPMG's Pulse of Fintech report that was released uh, earlier. So you can see that the growth has happened and every uh, you know, organization will have its own trajectory towards its growth. Some of them will reach there faster. Some of them, of course, will have failures coming in their way as well, which is also a good sign that a, that a, that a market is maturing. But we do have, at this point of time, a very uh, diverse set of uh, fintech companies, some of them at pre-seed uh, early stages versus some of them actually were gone to the unicorn status, such as Neom and Advance. Right. right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things I discovered many, many years ago, because I'm a bit of an old guy, been around IT for a while in banking, is that, you know, consumers basically have no sense of humor when it comes to their money, right? So when you think about coming out of prototyping mode into something that's secure and stable and scalable and all those things, uh, you it's funny, right? Because consumers really just only give you one or two chances to uh, to really get it right. So I, I think the FinTech labs do a great job of helping foster uh, putting ecosystems together so that maybe some of the younger uh, generation FinTechs maybe learn from some of the, you know, the older guys who have kind of been around the bush a few times, right? Absolutely. So, so, so sort of transitioning a little bit out of the lab, um, but staying in sort of banking, right? So so, you know, Singapore is seeing a bit of activity around digital banks. And I mean, actually, Southeast Asia in general has seen a bit. And, you know, interestingly enough, digital banks now have been around. They've been with us long enough for us to sort of evaluate both their merits, their shortcomings, their returns. Right. 
and and certainly while some have been successful, many of them have been challenged, right? Uh, all of them are, you know, promoting branchless paperless, you know, kind of environments, making your life easy, that sort of thing, which is all good stuff, right? But if I combine sort of that with some of the challenges around some of the recent security and scam reportings, uh, do you see any sort of growth uh, slowness, uh, any slowness in the growth around digital initiatives from banks because of some of this? And what do you think ultimately the impact of the consumer will be uh, out of these initiatives? Um, so, so for me, I mean, I'm 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 a firm believer on in in advancement of digital technology as much as possible with all the necessary safeguards in place. So, I wouldn't say it'll slow down. I would say it'll probably take a pause, uh, get the right security measures in place, uh, be it from a regulatory perspective or from a technology uh, risk perspective, and get all those measures in place, and then move ahead. You know, with probably. Uh, at, a, at a much faster pace of growth as well. Uh, so I'm not seeing I'm I'm not seeing that as a as a major issue. But of course, uh, whenever all these uh, you know challenges, issues, scams, you know phishings happen, you do uh, you you do put uh, some spanner in the works for a short while. But then you know things move on very quickly after that. But once you have the necessary safeguards in place, and probably at a at a much faster pace, yeah, it, it um, does make the eyebrows go up a little bit, doesn't it? Yes, yes, for, for, for a while, um, and, and, and you fix, and then you move on. Yep, yep. Yeah. So listen, let's sort of round this off with the million-dollar question, right? Because someone in your position who has so much exposure uh, to technology and companies in the technology space, and of course, the Singapore FinTech Festival is just an amazing event, right? Uh, I'm probably not allowed to do commercials, but the, it's just an amazing event to attend, right? So the million dollar question for you, uh, Shadab, is so what do you think some of the technology trends are that we should be sort of looking out for that may become mainstream over the next year or two or three? So uh, if, if I were to say that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm answering a question which has probably not been answered before, then I would be lying. <laughs> I think I think the simple answer to that is, and it was very well reflected since you brought up Singapore FinTech Festival, is actually the Web 3.0, um, you know, as a set of technology. Because if you look at it, blockchain, uh, DLT, uh, the application of that is, is, is manifold in many respects. It is going to transform the financial services industry altogether, uh, just because of the new, uh, you know, settlement models that that are coming in, new new types of investment assets being created. There, there is a whole, uh, I would say, the mood of things that are going to come, uh, and that are already in place. Uh, quite a few of our member companies, SFA member companies, are running their business models around using blockchain in their overall as a technology base. Um, there are, you know, digital assets exchanges. There are, you know, private assets being democratized. Uh, there is access available to even uh, retail investors for some of the, you know, uh, funds type of products as well. So overall, uh, th that's where I see the technology trend is going to be. Uh, it, it is, I think, uh, a lot of people are saying, and I'm not denying that. Uh, I also feel the same that it is just a start of a major transformation that is coming into the financial services space, uh, and uh, it's it's for all of us to for, for all of us to, to to watch and see how the space evolves. But one thing is for certain that uh, customers are going to get you know a better deal than what they have at the moment in whichever shape and form, be it in terms of cost, be it in terms of the timeliness of it, or the overall efficiency that uh, these new technologies are bringing in. Um, and just one more trend that I will highlight is, of course, that's a smaller one, which is basically the buy now, pay later as an example. Mm -hmm. um, that's a trend that has been evolving in some of the countries as well. And on the SFA side, what we have done is we have created a, 
a, a pre-regulatory you know setup there we've created a working group which is looking which is uh, creating a code of conduct or a framework for bnpl companies to comply with so that you know uh, we work very closely with the with the regulator to shape up the regulation hopefully shape up the regulation that's a new initiative that that's happening and it's one of the first times that a regulator is working so closely with the industry participants in shaping up the regulation going forward so uh, i would say these are the two major ones that i would really watch out for bnp being the, the smaller one but broadly the the blockchain space so you know i'll tell you uh, shalab if you had told me 10 years ago uh, that that i would see the kind of capabilities i see with payments today and things i can do at point of sale right uh bnpl is a great example of 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 what you can do at point of sale right it would have been a little bit hard for me to comprehend that at the levels that we even see today. So I, I am fully with you, right? The, the technologies that are allowing the settlements behind all of that is really what you don't see, but what's enabling me as a consumer to do all the things I think are pretty cool, right? Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, um, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, we, we all know, right, the best uh, technology, I mean, the best user experience is when you actually don't feel it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, which is what is happening in a lot of these scenarios where it's so easy and smooth that the users don't actually realize that they've actually transacted. So, which, which, which is all good, um, of course, uh, you know, while keeping within the realms of, you know, consumer protection. Yep, yep. Well, listen, Shab, it's been great to meet you and great to have a little bit of a chat with you today. And uh, I, I certainly look forward to seeing you uh, my next trip to Singapore. Same here, Rick. Uh, please do uh, ping when you're here. Look forward.